The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. <sighs> Cleansing breath. Cleansing breath. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and the hope that one day spam robocalls will be a thing of the past. <laughs> maybe, maybe some, maybe, maybe someday. Please. I'm JD Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we discuss the tech headlines from the past few weeks, and Pedro has a new piece of gear to share with the class. So yes. We'll keep it a secret on what it might be. Of course. But first, the thing we talk about before we do the news. Yeah, well, we're going to give away the secret because I'm going to talk about Okay, yeah. I'm going to talk about headphones. All right. I have a set of headphones I'd like to talk about. Uh-huh. But actually, what I want to rant about is I'm having an existential crisis. Oh, dear. So- something has uh, impacted your identity or your sense of self-awareness? Absolutely, or- because. Speaking about headphones, I'm really starting to like the Bluetooth experience. Really? You, Mr. Corded Headphone, I, am, I need my pristine sound yes, audio guy? Yes. And, I, you know, I realized that, wow, you know, it's pretty convenient. I, I was testing these headphones. They're from Mixter E9s, and I'll, I'll give you the whole spiel a little later. But the convenience factor was the thing that got me. Now, it's summertime in New York. New York City apartments get really hot. Even with headphones on, you got that clanking, buzzing air conditioner going. I used to have to turn things off to watch TV. Uh-huh. You know, if I want to you know, turn it off, I put these bad boys on. I put the little ANC switch on and the air conditioner din almost completely goes Ooh. away. That got me. I got to admit. All right. The that fact that you me. could could be artificially cooled exactly. and be hearing the audio from your favorite shows. But what really put me over the edge in terms of not really knowing who I am anymore is that I actually bought a set of earbuds with a lightning connector. Seriously. Do you recognize me anymore? I don't. I, I mean, I, it's this is crazy. 3.5 millimeter forever. This is what I mean. This is what I mean. I don't. It was like a weird thing. It was like, I love the company. And actually, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about them uh, down the road in a couple of weeks when I get them. But these are new earbuds. They happen to have the lightning connector. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'm tired of losing dongles. I've purchased about seven of them already. Uh-huh. And that's not even exaggerating. You need to start keeping them in like a cigarette case to pull out when you need And you know one. how I feel about dongles. Yes. I am not a fan of dongles. So you are anti-dongle, I am I anti-dongle. Say. So I really don't know who I am anymore, but I'll talk about these mixtures later in the show. All right. Well, you know, we will we will be here to help you with your evolution yes, or I'll, transition, I'll, however we want to call this yeah, uh, you know, era. I may have to find myself in the middle of the show. So, you uh-huh, know, all right. maybe I'll go walk about. All right. We, we, will, we will be on guard for that. But let, let's do some news here. News. Uh, there is a, a fair piece of it here. Really? Mainly because it's time for Mary Meeker's Internet Trends Report. You know, oh, yeah. She does it every year. Every year. I love this. Yes. Mary Meeker, the analyst and general partner at the venture capital firm Bond Capital. She switched from Kleiner Perkins oh, yeah. Gherkins, whatever the one she was at before. <laughs> Kleiner Perkins Gherkins? <laughs> <laughs> She's at a new like uh, firm. And she delivered her annual massive slide deck this year at the Code Conference 2019 out in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, This was a 333-page report, and Vox.com, which I think 
is all part of Recode Now or whatever. They they have the uh, summary of the entire event and the video clip of her doing her presentation for those who really want to marinate in all things Mary Maker. Right. For those who don't or just want, you know, the, the talking bullet points, I've extracted a few of them from the Vox article. Lock so, and load, JD. Yeah, because, you know, we all got things to do. So, uh so some of the bullet points to discuss, uh, 51% of the world, this is 3.8 billion with a B people, were internet users last year. Wow. Uh, this is up from uh, 49%, uh, 3.6 billion in 2017. Now growth uh, slowed to about 6% in 2018 because so many people uh, have come online that it's actually harder to find new users to to be new online. Wow. So. So 51% of the world, uh, over half the population is, That's a lot of people. is on the internet now. Um Internet ad spending accelerated here in the United States, uh, up 22% uh, in 2018. Most of the spending is still on Google and Facebook, but companies like Amazon and Twitter are getting a growing share of that pie. Um, Some 62% of all digital display ad buying is for programmatic ads, uh, Mm -hmm. which will continue to grow. So where where you have people on the internet, you have ads. Yes. There are also a number of problems ahead for targeted advertising, uh, including the impact of the GD, you know, the general data protection regulation uh, over there in Europe. The euro thingy. Yes, and, and other regulations that are coming in, as well as uh, pushes for more privacy from hardware and software companies, Apple being one of the big names in the uh, the privacy. You know, we're not going to take your data, which we're going to talk about them in a few minutes. Yeah. Another bullet point, Americans are spending more time with digital media. In fact, more than ever, 6.3 hours a day. Another thing that was noticed uh, in this year's slide deck, images are increasingly by the means in which people communicate. Um, if we think about, and people have joked about this, emoji or like the new mm-hmm. hieroglyphics and yep. people will just send strings of emoji and text and everyone instantly knows what that means. But there's also the photo memes and the animated GIFs and all of that that will also be used as reactions, and people are just using those instead of typing words to each other. I like words. Words are handy, um, and and they and she's saying that the uh, this increase of reliance upon images is because the networks have gotten faster. You don't have to wait for download times to process files have become more compact. So all of this has led to to more picture talk. More than 50% of Twitter impressions now involve posts with images, video, or other types of multimedia. And it used to be text only. Remember Twitter started? Oh, yeah. People were using it on flip phones and, right. and all that. It was yes. a text app, yes. basically. So now now it's uh, it's gotten all visual there. Nice. Uh, gaming. Uh, the number of interactive gamers worldwide grew 6% to a $2.4 billion with a B last year. As interactive games like Fortnite become the new social media for a certain range of people. Yeah, not so much with the Fortnite. Yeah. Uh, the number of people who watch those games rather than participate is also growing. So Twitch and House Party and all those apps. I still don't understand. I don't understand why I would want to watch somebody play the video game. Well, that's because you're a gamer and you yes, want to be in there. I want to be in there mixing it up. I don't understand this. This is crazy. It's it's, it's a new perspective. You know who does this? My son. My nine-year-old does this. A, he likes to sit there and watch people game? He likes to watch people game. I'm like, I don't play the game, kid. Well, you can't because it's a shoot 'em up But, yeah. you know, you shouldn't be watching that anyway. It could be the, the, the new reality show. Remember, remember how people got into reality shows, even though they were all fake? But, yes. And, and totally into that. And now... You know, games are, are taking that over. They're, they're watching somebody else kind of go through this simulation. A little sidebar here, just a very short sidebar. You remember the, the show with Ozzy Osbourne, the Osbournes? Oh, yeah, yeah. My wife and I used to watch that show. Yeah. This is when we were dating and stuff. And the most visceral feeling of betrayal 
was the episode that I suspect they thought was going to be their final episode. And they completely gave away the fact that the show was scripted and fake. Uh-huh. I mean, devastating to us. Really? The, their, their reality was not so much. We had bought into the reality 100%. 100%. So, you know what? Reality shows are dead to me ever since then. Ever and, since then. And with that, watching people play video games <laughs> on yes, internet channels. Watching, yes, indeed. No Twitch for me. Yes. All right. Well, um, oh, and, and the last bullet point that I've pulled from her very many. Yes. Uh, Mary Meeker. Yes. Uh, the internet will become more of a cesspool. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Wait, did she say that? Uh, the, well, this is the in the she box nice summary. But it? yeah, we, well, we're, we're going to have a link to the whole presentation oh, okay. so you can watch her uh, describe all of this. Uh, but as they say, getting rid of problematic content becomes more difficult on a large scale. We've seen this happening in real time. So it's a, a real hive of scum and villainy. It is. Uh, the very nature of Internet communication allows content to be amplified much more than before going viral. So many channels. As they point out, some issues, 42 percent of U.S. teens have experienced offensive name calling online. Terrorists are being radicalized on sites like YouTube and social media has encouraged increased political polarization oh wow so yeah mary maker says it's a cesspool and only going to get deeper yeah remember when social media was supposed to be fun yeah and like, like bring fun. the world together bring and the world together kumbaya yeah playing guitar yeah not so much nope not nope. so much no. but and but there's so much more in her 330 page report uh, wow. but we will link to the article if you want to just to that's a book go there and it, she and she does this every year she watches those trends man but i'm uh, moving on yes could American consumers battling endless spam robocalls finally be getting a little help? Uh, we no, ask ourselves. next question. <laughs> yes. Now, now. Um, while it won't stop all aggressive marketers, the Federal Communications Commission has recently approved rules that would make it easier for the wireless carriers to stop automated calls by scanning their networks and screening out robocalls, much like a junk filter weeds out spam email. But if you think about junk filters, some stuff still gets through, so it's not a perfect world. Let me pull a Picard on you. I hope they make it so. Yes. Yeah, and I think some of the carriers are kind of jumping in because they're getting heat from their customers. The FCC says the move should help with some of the 5 million robocalls a month that have been bombarding wow. innocent wireless users. So, Ouch. Yeah, so, so we'll see if this actually has any impact. I know some of the carriers also have these opt-in services, and some will, I think, even have for pay option services to help you manage the unwanted calls. But uh, the FCC is trying to make it easier for everyone on the back end. We'll see if this actually helps. Now, these are robocalls, like, you know, the spammers and stuff? Yeah. Like the folks from Slovenia and stuff? That you know, I think getting? anything that's just uh, that they see on the network that is just reaching out and pinging tons of numbers tons that of they numbers, see. Gotcha. So, so no matter what they're selling, you know, or it could be, you know, your energy use, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Or the one that, that's in Cantonese that you're going to get deported uh, because immigration has found you, which uh, I get that one a lot for some reason. <laughs> for some reason, you yeah. Yeah. Huh? So, so, so we'll see if that actually helps. Where are they going to deport you to? Indiana? Yeah, I, I guess, you know. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to go back there. Yeah, but. well, you know. Yes. Yeah, so, um, but while the Federal Communications Commission uh, is dealing with that, they've also been busy. They, you remember, they a few uh, weeks, months ago, they gave okay to the merger between T-Mobile and Sprint, partly on the grounds that this power team up would help expand 5G wireless networks. Apparently, not everyone is on board with the FCC on this. I'm shocked. Yes, ten U.S. states attorneys general have filed a lawsuit to block the 26 billion dollar merger on the grounds that consumers would have less competition 
and soon be paying more for their wireless service. Yeah. The suit was filed in federal court in Manhattan by Attorney General Letitia James of New York and Xavier Becerra of California. Um, Also, eight other uh, states' attorney generals also joined in. A.G. James said lower-income and minority communities will be hit especially hard and called the deal, quote, exactly the sort of consumer-harming, job-killing, mega-merger, or antitrust laws were designed to prevent, end quote. I really like her. She does not back down. She does not. She's a tough cookie. I like that. I'll vote for her when she runs for governor. I think she might be yeah, having that way. That's what I'm saying. Moving on. Federal lawmakers aren't giving big tech a pass either, though, in their own little corner of the world. A bipartisan congressional investigation into the power of large technology companies like, oh, you know, your Google, your Facebook, your Amazon, your Apple... That started this week with concern from lawmakers in both parties that the government's lax oversight of the industry may be doing more harm than good, Mm. yes, say. Uh, In its first hearing, the congresspeople uh, looked at the decline of the news industry and said they were concerned with Google and Facebook dominating the online digital advertising market and grabbing revenue from traditional news organizations, some of which, to be quite frank, are struggling to survive. Mm-hmm. The ones who are actually, you know, reporting and finding the news, and then these other people are making money off it. Hey, if there are any youngs that listen to this show, look up Fourth Estate, and you'll understand why it's important. That's all I'm saying. Congress is having a, a number of hearings on mm-hmm. tech topics, so we'll probably have more on that on yes, our indeed. next show. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Somebody going to ask them, uh, why is my phone not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Now, um, moving on to the robot portion of our news. <laughs> of our of our show. Okay. Yes. Um, you now, just, you know, some light automated news. Yeah, it's never light and automated. You're setting me up. No I drones, no it. drones. I can feel it. Short distance robot delivery vehicles, as we know, are becoming a reality. Mm-hmm. Kind of wheeling around and Domino's had one and, and they're sort of these little AV type bots that are just rolling around. Didn't one burst into flames? Yes, yes, there was that one that, yeah, that, yeah had a little smoke condition. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's only a matter of time until the delivery bots tackle more challenging terrain like suburbia. You know, right now they're just kind of sending them down the flat sidewalk. Let me just hold on here because I can, see, I can now, feel now, it, JD. You I don't even live in suburbia, so yeah, calm not down. Yet. Not yet. But as you know, suburbia can be very fraught with obstacles. Um, Yeah, it's um, uh, and not in like that Stranger Things way. But you do see the Stranger Things, the whole Burger King marketing. They're going to sell the upside down Whopper, and it's just a Whopper that's literally flipped upside down in a special box. I'd see that drives me crazy. Yeah. Anyway, short diversion too. Nice. An aside. An aside. But anyway, getting back to the delivery bots, because suburbia, you know, you got your cul-de-sacs and you got your winding driveways. No sidewalks. There's no sidewalks. And and you you never know where they're rolling into. Um, But Amazon has these little scout delivery bots that they are testing and what they are doing to try to help the bots figure out where they're going, what they're doing, how to recognize stuff. Amazon is creating intricate maps of the American suburbs for the bots to navigate. These maps will use real-life textures, 3D data, and detailed modeling that will show even, like, where the storm drains and other potential habits, you know, some robot, like, falling down uh, the well. Yeah, so they're going to put all this on so the robots and the artificial intelligence within can help them figure out which one of these houses it looks all the same as the one that ordered the thing and, and delivered and then get out of there without, you know, falling, you know, over a fence or something. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, so 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 we'll see. When do they start killing me in my sleep? Now, now they're they're just using this to run simulations now in the lab. So so they just have 
the little robot is sort of in a, in a little platform and then it's running all these simulations of the, the suburban maps. Um, as The Verge put it, think of it as the Matrix, but like uh, for delivery bots. I don't think they're out in the wild yet. Yeah, not yet. Well, just stay out of suburbia. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to. Because, you know, you see one of those rolling around New York City. It's not going to last Please. long, so I think you're safe here. It's not going to last long. Yes. Now, also in autonomous vehicle news, Bloomberg reports that Apple is getting ready to buy Drive.ai, a small startup company. The deal is intended to bring more engineers with experience in self-driving cars into Apple's world. I thought they gave that up. I guess they're getting back into no, it. Everyone's got to have some in. kind of automated thing. Yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah. So, uh, and maybe they just want to, you know, get some patents or just see what they're working on. But they they bought this company. Speaking of companies, did you ever wonder what tech companies know about you from the data they've collected? Every day of my life. Yes, it, it haunts you in yes, your waking hours. Absolutely. If so, check out the AXO series, uh, which is called What, you know, Company X Knows About You. Uh, Recently, they looked at Apple's data gathering. And uh, even though the company is known more for its hardware offerings, uh, they had a big list of stuff that maybe you didn't realize, oh, that's actually something that can be collected about me. Like they know all the digital and physical goods you've purchased from the iTunes store, the Apple store, all that. Remember that iPod Classic that you bought back in 2004? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of thing. They also know the music, movies, and app purchases you've made. And, you know, that's before we even get to the iCloud and the maps and all that stuff. So it's a good series. And they, they've done Google and they've done a number of different companies. Uh, and, and we'll link to this one uh, that has all the links to the other ones. So it's just kind of something to be aware of. The only, th- the only company that I want to know anything about me is Halal Guys. Uh-huh. And that I don't like a lot of white sauce. Uh-huh. That's it. On my guy, on my Giro. I'm a hero. All right. I don't so, like white sauce. So, and this could work remotely. Like he's in the area. Oh, he's going right. to want a combo platter. That's right. Fire it up. Yeah, it's fire it up. You know it. All right. So, so well noted there. Um, but uh, also uh, one little uh, little Apple bit here before we go of, uh, you know, through the rest of the news. Mm-hmm. Um, iOS 13, which, as you know, got his little debut uh, yeah, early yeah. this month well, at the Worldwide yeah. Developers Conference. Apple is making it possible for your phone to actually interact with near-field communications tags, you know, NFC, right? Uh, like those that you use for Apple Pay when you just hold the phone near the credit card reader and, and it dings and you paid. In iOS 13, developers can create apps that interact with NFC-enabled hardware and uh, soon will be able to do things like read passports, government-issued IDs, and contactless smart cards. Hmm. So part of this is like a, a two-way thing they're saying right now. It's just sort of a reader thing. Right. but. But they're they're really beefing up their NFC offerings uh, into the iOS. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, I got to think about that one for yeah, a while too. I have to marinate. Yes. Um, oh, and the Forbes website is pointing to what it thinks is another Apple iPhone leak, unintentional or otherwise, and and this one might make you uh, cross, uh, um, given your end uh, recent headphone purchase. Yes. According to Forbes, if you have the first beta release of iOS 13 and you look very carefully at the iPhone recovery mode screen. You see a USB-C cable there instead of the graphic for the lightning connector. I did not mean to put this in just to, to harsh your mellow. I did not know you would purchase the lightning-tipped earbuds. Um, they're saying that uh, maybe this is going to happen and quite possibly could because uh, the Mac laptops and recent iPad Pro models have made the switch to USB-C. I think Apple just wants to keep you buying dongles, man. Oh, I'm going to have to return this thing then. Or you don't upgrade your iPhone. Well, you know, we've already talked about how next year or this year's iPhone is like yeah, not true. really set in the yeah, wall. Yeah, you know? so, so maybe I'll probably lose the headphones b- between here and 2020. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so happy thoughts. Yeah. 
But uh, but again, this is not news that people with oh, an investment yeah. in a lot of lightning connector peripherals particularly want to hear. Yeah, now is not the time. Yes. <laughs> Rent and don't buy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, two items of news uh, regarding the country of China here. Okay. The New York Times is reporting that Huawei, the Chinese tech firm currently blacklisted by the U.S. government, Huawei sent Verizon a letter in March demanding more than a billion dollars in licensing fees on more than 200 patents it said Verizon was violating. Whoa. You know, maybe this is some backstory to the the current uh, major trade war and punch-up that's going on there. Yeah. Now, Verizon itself does not buy any Huawei products, but it relies on more than 20 vendors that use Huawei technology. So I think that is where they are getting hit here. Don't know uh, how that response was, but it's a big story in the Times, and so we will link to it. Sounds like a Donnybrook. Yes. And uh, the other item... Curiously, right around the time that street protests in Hong Kong were ramping up uh, because they were having a, a bit of unrest over there, yeah. the encrypted Telegram app began to experience a denial-of-service attack on its network. Oh, really? Really now, yes. Uh, and for those who do not follow international news, uh, for the past several days, Hong Kong has been overrun with demonstrators who are all protesting uh, this new law that the Chinese mainland is trying to put in. That would tie the municipality of Hong Kong uh, more directly uh, under the control of mainland China's, um, shall we say, authoritarian uh, government. Yes. Uh, Hong Kong, which was a British colony for so many years, was given back in 97, uh, has enjoyed uh, more freedoms, I guess, uh, than the mainland. Yes, they have. So the thought of this rule coming in has really sent tons and tons of protesters out into the street and then all of a sudden, one of the apps they use to communicate isn't working. Wow. Mm. Mm. And uh, TechCrunch notes this isn't the first time Telegram has been attacked when China was experiencing a period of major social unrest. Uh, four years ago, there was a similar attack uh, struck the company's service just as the Chinese government was cracking down on human rights lawyers in the country. So Ooh. this could be a go-to in the, the playbook here. Seems like a pattern. Yeah. So that's what's happening over there. Um, moving on, when it comes to artificial intelligence, Microsoft uh, isn't all into it. Oh, really? Um, last year, the company asked Congress to start regulating the use of facial recognition systems because they had broad societal ramifications and potentials for abuse. Now, uh, this year, Microsoft is backing up uh, its words. It has deleted its MS Celeb database of 10 million images which was being used to train facial recognition systems. Wow. The database, uh, which is said to have been used for military and police training, uh, was released in 2016 and originally was built of online images of well-known people and mm-hmm. CMS Celeb and uh, was used to sort of, you know, do the people look like that? Do the people look like that? It was a training thing. And so Microsoft uh, has seen this database grow and they say, you yeah, know, we're just going to delete this. So they they shut that down. Uh, they also recently rejected a request from police in California to use its face spotting systems and body cameras in cars, which would alert if they recognize somebody. But yeah, it's uh, a sense of stepping back a little bit from the the whole AI thing. And this was right after I think there was a database at Border Control mm-hmm. of travelers' images that had gotten yeah. hacked and stolen. Yep. And the moment was just this one little thing, and you think you know all of this stuff getting out here. It it's gonna it adds up. So that is Microsoft taking a stand. Um, also taking a stand, that lawsuit brought against Google by James Damore. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember him yep. uh, last year? That's moving forward. Uh, Damore, the engineer Google fired in 2017 for writing a memo lamblasting diversity and saying women weren't biologically capable of succeeding in check jobs. Uh, he got fired. He sued in 2018 on the grounds of discrimination against conservatives, men, and white people. 
Last week, a Santa Clara County Superior Court judge uh, rejected Google's motions to throw out that lawsuit, uh, which clears the way for the case to move forward to the discovery phase. So this guy's claiming that they're discriminating against white people. Yeah, and men and conservatives. Men and conservatives. Yes, all, all of them at once. So, and Google oh, yeah, was like, okay. no, we're not. You know, file it to miss. And the judge was like, well, no, let's let this go forward. So, so this will be interesting. Interesting. Yes, uh, YouTube, part of Google, had its own flap last week when it was uh, trying to announce new policies banning hate speech and a few other moves to clean up the YouTube user experience. The video sharing site caught flack at first for not banning conservative host Steven Crowder over years of homophobic and racial insults made against Carlos Maza of Vox. YouTube first said it wasn't banning Crowder on the grounds that although his remarks were mean, they didn't violate the overall hate speech policy against slamming entire groups of people. Um, really? They were saying it was more of a personal attack. But after three hours of backlash, YouTube blinked a bit, and then it would suspend Crowder from the ads and making money feature of YouTube. So he was still up, but he wasn't going to make any money off of his stuff. This led to even more backlash from both sides. It said YouTube's rules for taking down videos and demonetizing creators still appear to be vague, unevenly enforced, and subject to pressure from those who scream the loudest. Um, I believe the uh, president of YouTube, uh, Susan Wojcicki, apologized to the LGBT community at the Code Conference at some point. And so this is... Kind of been roiling for a while, but uh, YouTube is is not making a lot of people uh, happy with the sort of uh, inconsistent implied. YouTube is not making a lot of people happy with the inconsistent application of its rules. Yeah, they're trying to they're trying to play both sides. Yeah, and you know beyond you know su- suggesting conspiracy theory videos to children and you know the other things they've had this year, uh, not not very um, happy making. Uh, no, not even. Yes. Uh, now, say goodbye to two software products you may or may not use. Um, okay. Amazon is shutting down its Amazon Restaurants food delivery service, I think, at the end of this month. Uh, yeah, about 200 Shucks. cities, yeah. And Google is grounding its Google Trips app as of this August. I did actually use Google Trips yeah, and, you and liked found it, it useful. Yeah. Um, they are shutting down that standalone product, and I think they're going to shove some of the features into Maps and Assistant and other spots. But Google has decided, you know, as they do, yeah. you know, you may not live anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, off yeah. it goes to Carousel. Google. Surprising. They killed an app. Yes, they, they killed an app that some yeah. people liked. And finally, oh, yes. uh, two items for gamers here. The Electronic Entertainment Expo uh, has been in Los Angeles. Uh, always a big time of year for gaming yes, news. Yes. And there was more about Google's gaming service, which the company sees as a challenge to the console world. Yes, they do. Uh, the streaming service is called Google Stadia. Wants to be, you know, as everyone does, the Netflix for gaming um, but it's basically uh, going to be a $9.99 per month uh, service, full 4K HDR streaming via Stadia Pro, or you can purchase games a la carte with the Stadia base plan. Uh, you can use the service through the Chrome browser, and you'll, of course, need a fast, stable internet connection, as one does with all sorts of streaming entertainment. So, so Google has released a little bit more on Stadia. I'm intrigued very much. Now, on the opposite side of the consoles are going away, Microsoft has offered a sneak peek of the next generation of the Xbox, possibly due out next year. It's codenamed Project Scarlet, and the new hardware is said to be four times more powerful than the Xbox One X and include a custom-designed CPU based on AMD's Zen 2 chip and the Radeon RDNA architecture. 
This sounds very beefy. Yeah, very beefy. Uh, Microsoft is also using fast GDDR6 RAM and claims it will usher in resolution and frame rates we've never seen before, (laughs) like 120 frames per second. Wow. The new console will support 8K gaming and solid-state drives for faster performance, and not to be undone, Sony is also promising that the PlayStation 5 will support up to 8K graphics, 3D audio, solid-state storage, and backwards compatibility with existing PlayStation 4 titles. So the console makers are like, no, no, we're not going away. Mm-hmm. You think you're going to stream 4K? We're going to do 8K on the box. Yeah, but then they got to buy a new TV. Yeah, because, you know, your your TVs, you, you got to level up. Every, I haven't every... even maxed out my Xbox now. Yeah. So I, I think, this, you know, they're... they're Kind of trying to, you know, future proof as much as one can for yeah. like five years or whatever. But I don't think I'm buying another console. Really? Are you you're gonna go stream? I might. Yeah, with if this Google thing looks like you got your Steam thing. The, and my kids love Nintendo. I mean the Switch is their thing. Yeah. So I mean I'm all alone on the Xbox. I'm not gonna spend another four hundred bucks on it. Yeah, so could could be a turning point it in, in the hardware we play games on. It could be. This has been a long and rambling look at the news <laughs> in the past couple of weeks. So for anyone out there who wants to know more, wants to watch the Mary Meeker presentation, wants to read more about Amazon's Maps for its Robots, wants, wants to, to know more games? about Google Stadia, yeah. you can find links to all that on our show page at poptechjam.com. Up next, someone has some new headphones to talk about. Yeah. JD. Pedro. Take a look at these headphones. These are the mixters that I was talking about. They look kind of snazzy. They do. They're $80 headphones. Really? Very snazzy. Look, you know, like they almost look like brushed aluminum. It's plastic. Really? But, you know, it's not bad. 80 bucks. 80 bucks. Let me tell you something. Like I mentioned before, I'm having this existential crisis. Yes. I don't know who I am anymore. Who am I? Why do I listen to on my headphones? I, I really am enjoying the Bluetooth experience. These mixtures, the E9, I don't know if you guys remember, I talked about the E7s a couple of months ago, and I said, for the price, the sound quality was decent. Those run for under $50. These E9s from Mixter or Mix CD, CD-er or Mixter, whatever you want to call them, these are 80 bucks. sound quality at least twice as good as the E7s. I was legitimately surprised by how good they sounded. Now, that's not to say that they compare with, you know, like even these Sony MDRs that are sitting on this table. Not even close. But when you factor in how much they cost versus what you're getting, it's, you know, it's not, it, it's it, there's no contest. You're talking about an $80 set of headphones that are over the ear that have an incredibly good noise canceling feature and it pairs up quite nicely with every device that I've used it on, including my Apple TV, which makes it that much more convenient. And the sound quality is pretty darn good. Really? Like not in the Bose and high end Sony range, but for your 80 bucks. For your 80 bucks and for your use case. Like for instance, for my TV, these are great. I'm not expecting an audiophile experience when I'm watching TV or when I'm gaming for that matter. So if I'm playing on my Xbox and I've paired these up, I don't care. It sounds decent. You know, the explosions are explodey. You know, that's that's all I care about. 
Again, these are no-frills headphones, though. So, yeah, you get Bluetooth 4, but you're not getting the Aptex technology or the AAC codecs, which will give you that quote-unquote CD experience. You know, you're not getting that. But it really sounds pretty good when I was playing my Spotify tracks on my phone or my Apple Music. The, the sound quality, the soundstage, you know, and, and again, the, the caveat that I always mention is that your, your mileage might vary. These I enjoy, but it's a subjective thing when you come to headphones. So keep that in mind. Now, for me, I like warmth in my headphones. And by that, I mean, I like a beefy bass. And, you know, not thumping, not flabby. They're warm sounding. They're thick. And they might be a little too thick depending on what you're listening to. Now, when you switch the noise cancellation, there's dramatic difference, not necessarily in the bass, but in this, the presence of the mids and the highs. So when you turn it off, you can tell very dramatically that it's modifying those frequency ranges. One interesting thing that I've noticed while I've been using these is I don't get seasick. I don't oh, get it doesn't have motion that inner sickness. ear messiness that it Not does. Not for me. I mean, I've I gotten them. I've gotten that on the Bose. I've gotten that on Sony models and some other models that I've used, but not on these. I really enjoy these headphones. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I never thought I'd say this, that I would consider because these, obviously, they're not going to last long. I can tell you that even though they come in a little protective case, they are plastic. They aren't the most sturdy headphones in the world. But if I break these, I will not shed a tear like I might with a $400 pair of bows. So would these be the ones you would take to the gym or do active activities where you don't want to have your high-end headphones get all sweaty and gross? And these are these. legitimately my TV watching and exercising headphones now. If they break, they're almost disposable. I will attempt to fix them, but, you know, and on top of that, the battery life is outstanding. I've gotten about 20 hours. I charged it once. This is about four days ago, and I've been using it consistently. That's very good. So I'm very impressed with these Mixtures E9s. Much better sound quality than the E7s that I talked about a while back. The price is almost doubled, but you're talking from $40 to $80. Still a reasonable price for a set of Bluetooth headphones. You're not getting the higher-end codecs like Aptex and AAC, but... It does a really good job with music on my phone and a great job on TV. So, you know what? I, I would really recommend these to folks that are going to dip a toe in or want to get a cheap pair just to toss in your bag and use with your phone on the subway. So That's a good thing because a lot of people just think noise canceling is going to cost me 400 bucks from the get-go because right. they've, they've seen the high-end ones advertised. And, and now you have a, a nice, affordable option. Very serviceable, affordable option. Pleasant sounding. It's not audiophile quality by any stretch of the imagination. But you know what? They don't sound bad. All right. So, And, and we will have a link to these perhaps on yes, our, our page. Will. So people who want to look at the tech specs and consider their purchase options uh, will have that information. Absolutely. All right. And we'll have that on poptechjam.com. And then speaking of poptechjam.com, yes. we are hosted by the bros. Yes, uh, we are. And we must thank them. We must thank them. Builtbybros.com. If you think it, they will build it. Yes. And, uh, of course, we've wound down the end of another show here, yes. and we cannot leave without thanking our listeners. We cannot. We cannot. Thank you, listeners. Yes, thank you very much. 
and we'll we'll be back before you know it with another show. <laughs> yeah, our you schedule's noticed. been a little erratic lately. <laughs> We've stopped promising you next week, so yeah, you know, this, it's, sometimes it's sort of a the drive-by yeah, operation, it is. It but is um, but we we will be back uh, and and we'll have some more tech news and things to talk about and yes. and perhaps something to complain upon. Of course, um, that's what we do. But until then, I'm JD Beersdorfer and I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. <laughs>